Vajradatramanandasya Janajana Salakaya Chakshuan Militanyena Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha Panchakapadu Bhishcha Kripasindabhivacha Patita Nam Pamane Bhyo Vaishnavajanamonamaha Good evening everyone. We'll begin by uh, our classes. Uh, as we progress through Jiva Goswami's Satsandarbhas, uh, certain areas of those Sandarbhas deal with primary verses from Srimad Bhagavatam. In fact, that is what the Satsandarbha is. It is that literature which explains the essence uh, of Srimad Bhagavatam and ties Srimad Bhagavatam into the whole copus of, of Vedic literature and uh, shows that it is the the topmost praman, the topmost presentation, the mature commentary on Vedanta Sutra, which of course ties the whole Veda together. Uh, but uh, before the Sandarbhas get to that point, uh, first, Tattva Sandarbha strives to acquaint us with uh, the nature of our being, and if we're going to inquire into the nature of being, then we need to know what is the standard knowledge to make such an inquiry. So this is the epistemology and the ontology of Vedantic thought, Tattvasandharva. Uh, epistemology being of the nature of knowing. How does, how does one arrive at knowledge? There are so many ways, and if we're going to choose one of those ways, especially if we're going to inquire about the most serious subject, the nature of our being, then let's determine a methodology uh, which, is, which is the most profound and the most authoritative. And what we're going to find out as we progress through Tattva Siddharva, Jiva Goswami has presented extremely pertinent knowledge to make us follow his understanding that that supreme praman is Srimad Bhagavatam. All the knowledge, ways of acquiring knowledge that are available to humanity, Srimad Bhagavatam is the quintessential methodology. As we progress, there'll be certain verses that I'm going to be uh, chanting before the classes, which will be pertinent to that those few classes that we'll give in a certain area. And it will also acquaint us with these very key, important verses from the Bhagavatam. So to learn them would be good. Srila Jiva Goswami's Mangalacharana, his opening uh, eight verses, start with uh, this verse from uh, Srimad Bhagavatam from the 11th canto, wherein uh, the, the Goswamis drew, drew out specific proof that Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was Krishnastu Bhagavad Swayam, the Supreme Lord Krishna. Uh, prior to their drawing out this verse from the 11th canto, the actual position of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu uh, was not known. 
Krishna Varnam Tusa Krishnam English translation In the age of Kali, intelligent persons, Sumedasa, fine discrimination, people of fine discrimination, perform con congregational chanting to worship the incarnation of Godhead who constantly sings the names of Krishna. Although his complexion is not blackish, he is Krishna himself. He is accompanied by his associates, servants, weapons, and confidential companions. It's from the Srimad Bhagavatam, 11th Canto. So this evening's class, we are going to um, uh, finish up our introductory thoughts uh, by completing a presentation of the key concepts and terms that uh, need to be understood by ourselves as, this, as, uh, as those studying this great literature uh, properly so that we can fully understand what the author is, is putting forth. So we've covered most of the concepts. There's a few more, and then I believe also this evening we will actually get into the actual text of Tatvas and Darba, beginning, beginning with the Mangalacharana verses. So we finished with uh, karma, dualistic action, and dualistic action means that there is some distinction between the doer and what is done. That's why it's called dualistic. Even if it's what? A karma. Even if we have no desire to enjoy the fruit, that in and of itself doesn't take it out of the realm of distinction between ourselves as a performer of action and the action. There is still an action and there is still a performer of action. So it is still a dualistic item. So that's karma. You're not going to make karma, even what kind of karma? Niskarma, niskama, karma yoga. Uh, you're not going to make it you're not going to take it out of the realm of duality. Now it's brought out in the discussion on this karma that there is difference of opinion in this regard. Interestingly enough, uh, the difference of opinion is between Sridhar Swami the commentator on the Bhagavatam, which was that's, uh, that's so revered by all of us, Gaudiya Vaishnavas, Sridhar Swami, and Rupa and Sanatanga Swami. So, uh, an in-depth uh, 
analysis of that will come as we proceed, I'm sure, uh, through the text. Uh, maybe not in Tatvasandarva, I did not encounter it there, but uh, I'm sure it will be fully dealt with later. What that distinction is, that Sridhar Swami was seeing it as probably what we've come to know as Yukta Vairagya. It becomes spiritual by use, of, use in the service of the Lord. And uh, therefore its dualism is lost in the fact that it's placed it's given in service, whereas um, there's a bit there's a bit of a difference of opinion from the Goswamis in that we can't say that it becomes non-dualistic. Um, so we'll see how that how that unfolds in the discourse as we proceed. So let us move on to the next term, which is Advaita Vedanta. Sankaras, specifically, Sankaras Advaita Vedanta, because uh, there are different uh, schools of thought, and Sankara has a very specific school of thought. And the authors... Uh, such a Narayan Das has, in his Tattvasandarva, labeled Advaitas, not Advaitas, Sankara's Advaita Vedanta, his his methodology as radical non-dualism. He's used this term radical. I mean, there are other schools of thought when it comes to dualism. In fact, I mean non-dualism. In fact, we accept non-dualism. But we accept it in the light of Achinta Beta Beta Tattva. So, the reason that he's given for for attaching this label of radical non-dualism is the fact that it's it's unimaginable the way that Sankar has presented it. It really at its core, does not make sense. It's an absolute obliteration of all distinction. Radical non-dualism. Nothing. Everything is Brahman and the ultimate issue. But then Sankara goes forward to explain that that Brahman can be covered by what? Maya. We call it Mayavad. He's using this other term, radical non-dualism. It just doesn't compute. How can you how can you put forward this concept of Brahman of non-dualism? It's all one, we're all one, God's all one, and you'll all become the supreme one. But there's a period now where there's what? Ignorance is covering that oneness for some of the one. It just doesn't compute. And it, it actually becomes quite funny. And actually, Sankara himself 
looked at it as quite funny, but hey, when Krishna asks you to do something, you do it. <laughs> so go forth and what? Put forth a doctrine of Vedanta, uh, which, which is what? Which is not, not a factual representation of Vedanta. But we need you to do this. Of course, who's he telling this to? Shiva. Shiva. I need you to do this. Why? Well, because we had to have the whole... I had to come and throw the whole Veda out. I had to toss the whole thing out. Because they were using my words against my parts and parcels. And I just couldn't stand it anymore. They were using my words of the Veda, twisting, turning, and, and using them to commit violence on living entities and, and, and just for, for sense gratification. They, they, they lost their way. So I had to come myself and just say, forget the Vedas. Let's just, let's, let's, let's just have a little, a little nonviolence here. Ahimsa. And uh, let's strive for nirvana. Because really in the whole, in the, in the scheme of things, it all ends in nothingness anyway. So Krishna comes as Buddha and he, he, he basically, who else could, who else could defy the Vedas except Krishna himself? Anybody else that tried to do it get in a lot of trouble. So Krishna, he can, he can defy himself as his one because he's still in, a, in the supreme position. But then he has to gradually get things back on course. So Shiva, I need you to come and let's, let's start to get them to accept the fact that it's all really not nothing. There's something, but it's the same something everywhere. Brahman. And that kind of goes with the Vedas. And we've got, we've got verses in the Vedas that support this. You know, Tattvamasi. I am that. I am that. Does it works a lot better than I am or it is nothing. It has no care. It has it's just nothing. So Shiva follows that directive and, and we have this this Vedantic school of thought, which is based on his presentation, wherein he's saying what? It's radical. We're all one. It's all one spiritual substance. Now somehow or other, there's ignorance covering this non-dual. Well, the second you introduce the concept of ignorance, there's dualistic. That's why we're referring to it, we refer to it as Mayavad, Maya covering the Supreme Brahman, or in this instance, the author it likes this terminology, radical non-dualism. It just is, it's out of this, it's, it's off the charts. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. So radical non-dualism, and we will be discussing this in very, very 
much detail going forward because it's it's important, just like in Chaitanya Charitamrita, you will find as we begin this treatise on an explanation of of the significance of the Bhagavat, the, one of the first things also that Jiva Goswami does is he kicks this out the window. Let me dispense with this from the get-go, just like Krishna Das Kaviraj did, does in the beginning of the Chaitanya Charitamrita. So, radical non-dualism, denying any distinction at the very core, at the root, Abeda. So, Now we come to the next kind of non-dualism. It's a theistic non-dualism. Based on what? Based on the Bhagavat. So, his next term is non-duality of the Bhagavat. What do we say about the non-duality of the Bhagavat? Achinta beta beta tattva. That you can have the non-dual, but the non-dual in and of its spiritual nature, can have potencies. So the non-dual whole can encompass everything. And it can manifest different potencies which are in and of itself, and it can still remain distinct from those potencies. And how can we conceive of that? What is the word? Achincha. Inconceivable. That allows us to put it into terminology in such a way that we can wrap our mind and intellect around it. And specifically for the spiritual practitioner, as we mentioned last class, the act of devotion of bhakti in and of itself coming into us fully independently, but coming, that act in and of itself renders this comprehension of inconceivability. We can comprehend it. It's possible. We can learn to see in technicolor as opposed to black and white. It doesn't go technicolor all of a sudden. That would be kind of overwhelming. It can. It does in very, very rare instances. But generally, it's a gradual coloration as the depth of our discrimination becomes more and more attuned with the theology of the Bhagavatam, of the Bhagavat. So we, the, the colors come on and all of a sudden the inconceivable becomes fully conceivable. What was black and white, what was dual and non-dual being different becomes possible within the absolute. It's an amazing thing. 
the non-duality of the Bhagavat, there is actually non-dualism in the absolute. The terminology, Advaya Jnana, Brahmeti, Paramatmeti, Bhagavaniti Samjate. Advaya Jnana. The discussion begins there. of The fact that these three ways of looking at the absolute are in and of themselves just different viewpoints. But there is one absolute. One nice interesting comment here is it's he wrote non-dualism that can accommodate oneness only and not distinction remains impoverished and can hardly be admitted as the complete whole. We have certainly a, con- a conception of non-dualism but it's a very very comprehensive conception that holds within it nitya nityanam chetanas chetananam the supreme eternal amongst all the eternals so they're all eternal but there is one that's supreme inconceivable simultaneous oneness and difference so the non-duality of the Bhagavat versus the what radical non-dualism of sankar so those things we we will will we need to understand that going into the the tattvas and dharma there is a distinction between the way that some people interpret the veda vedantic thought one is what we believe a, a very compre- comprehensive and and appropriate uh, understanding and the other is well wow they're quoting verses and they're it sounds kind of okay but it doesn't fit together properly it doesn't work it doesn't next term Sarup Shakti Sarup Shakti again dealing with that nature of that non-duality and the non-duality of the absolute having what separated potencies which are also non-different from the source of the potency but are different. Achinta, unconceivably, simultaneously, one indifference. So, we accept that understanding which embraces the conception of Bhagavan. So, Brahmeti, Paramatmeti, Bhagavaniti, Sabjate. Bhagavan being that non that non dual supreme absolute which is self endowed with unlimited potency coming in they break these down you know strength wealth fame beauty knowledge renunciation in unlimited capacity but independent of those shaktis that are his nature there's also the source of the shaktis Brahman with and without shaktis so this understanding transrational logic Above conventional logic, there's transcendental logic. Trans-rational logic 
logic is going to be required for the serious student of the Sundarvas. If he wants to fully enter into the mystery of Beta Abeta Tattva. And that understanding is available us, to us through Uttama Bhakti, which comes from an Uttama Bhakta. This inconceivability is made conceivable to us through the mercy of the sadhu. Yasha Prashada Bhagavat Prashado. His mercy allows us to, to enter into this deep understanding. Conventional mind and intellect will not take us there. And we will see in the Mangalacharana that Jiva Goswami, <laughs> he gives a warning in this regard. When he gives the Adhikari of the student who he's written for and who he's barring at the door. Next terminology to get an understanding of is Ekapod and Tripod Vibhuti. The Vibhuti is the energies of the Supreme Lord. Now we've also, we've heard, we have this in a certain context, uh, the one quarter and the three quarters portions of the Supreme Lord's energies, his being. We look at the ekapod as what? As the material realm, and the tripod as the spiritual realm. Three quarter and one quarter, making four quarters together. But we our approach to this understanding is to take out a ruler, because that's what we're used to. And when we say three quarters, that means three times more than one quarter, all part of one complete whole. It's like a pie, and you cut it into four slices. Four slices. There's the three, which are the spiritual realm, and there's one that... Wait a minute. We're talking about the unlimited realm of the absolute. How can we say that you can measure in such a way that you can quantify... What is the spiritual and what is the material realm? So, there's a different way to look at this, ekapod and tripod. And entering into the study of Tattva Sattarva, it would be good if we adjusted our thinking a little bit and put the rulers away. Lock up the scales, get rid of the all those measurements, all those scientific tools that we use to, to judge matter because we're not dealing with matter here. We're dealing with consciousness. So, different, different angle of vision. Ekapod has one characteristic. What's the characteristic of that energy, that one-quarter area? 
everyone there is mortal. That's a characteristic. There's that's that goes across the hell realm. The consciousness consciousness within that realm, and that's what we're talking about, the ecopod consciousness in that realm, what? It's snuffed out. At some point in time, it ends. It's mortal. So, ecopod. Everything in that realm culminates in death. We call that material existence. The tree pod vibhuti has three characteristics. It's eternal. It's not wiped out. So that's the real distinction between the two. One is temporary, one is eternal. But if it's eternal, it also has some other features. One very significant feature is if there's no death, there's no fear. Abaya, no fear. There's no fear in that realm. Um, so the cognizance is of that. So he equates this. Sat, chit, and the chit being that one is fearless, one is cognizant of their being. Again, we're getting back to the nature of consciousness, and the whole treatise is based on this. The Sandarvas are make, made to bring us to a proper understanding of what? Our being. And, well, then what? Everything's good. Everything's auspicious. If there's no death, then there's no fear. No fear, and that means everything is good. There's no bad. Everything is auspicious. Satchitananda is the primary characteristics of the tripod vibhuti, that vibhu, those vibhutis of the Lord that constitute the spiritual realm. The material realm, death. Hmm? Asat. Asat. Achit. Nirananda, we say, has none of those things. And then there's the jiva. Illusion to think in terms of that land of death as home. Acquainting themselves with that. Accepting that. And all that goes with that deathless place as indicative of the self, of their being. So that ends the key concepts and terms that the author wanted to acquaint us with. I wanted to go over some definitions, again, just to make the audience so we know what is the proper definition of the terms. So when we say Sandarbha, we need to know what's that mean. And uh, 
I'll just read the definition. A literary work that discloses the confidential meaning of a subject or book. A literary work that reveals the confidential meaning of a particular subject or a book. The confidence. Incorporating its essence, explaining its superior superiority, and elaborating on its various meanings. So we are studying the Satsandarbhas, six Sandarbhas, and those Sandarbhas deal with one work, and that one work is Srimad Bhagavatam, the Bhagavad, which deals with what? Vedanta Sutra. It gives a commentary or the essence of the Vedanta Sutra, which is what? Which is the essence of what? The Vedanta which was broken down by Vyas into four major parts. So, Satsandarbha is a Sandarbha explaining the essence of a book that is explaining the essence of the essence of the Veda. Uh, another word for Tattva, we look at it as truth sometimes. Uh, it's also reality. So we're dealing with the Tattva Sandarbhati, Sandarbha dealing with the reality. Reality as much as, as knowledge, reality is like interchangeable. In other words, for people thinking at this level, it's not like this is knowledge. No, this is this is what's real. Everything else is false. So let's look at it in that term. It's a nicer way to look at it. It's not like this is knowledge and that's ignorant. No, this is this is reality and that's illusion. A little nicer way to look at it, especially during our study. I like these terms: reality, the nature of being. I mean, this 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 universalizes. This plugs us into what it really is. We shouldn't see this as different than the essence of all thought for all humanity. It's not just for a, a select few living in a select continent in one small area of this planet, in this universe. This is universal knowledge, knowledge meant for everyone. And it is the reality based on the nature of every living entity's being. The Sandarbhas are done in sections, sections that deal with a specific topic. The terminology for those sections is Anuchita. So you'll hear this again and again. The first Anuchita, second Anuchita. So Anuchita, section. It means it could be three or four verses together, but it's a section dealing with a specific topic or a specific verse of the Bhagavatam and explaining it in depth. And then tying it all together. So, 
Um, again, we talked about the Tattvasandarbha deals with the epistemology, the nature of knowing, the way of knowing, ontology. So the word ontology means the nature of being. And epistemology is the investigation of what is the difference between belief, justifiable belief based on valid evidence and opinion. Pramana, evidence, proof, yes. Pramaya, the object of that. So, Pramana is the proof, the evidence, and Pramaya is regarding what subject. So, when we did, when, when a proof is put forth, what's it in relationship to? So, that is Pramaya. So, Pramana, Pramaya. And another term I just wanted to make sure we understood because we've discussed that our, our, our discussions here in regation, specifically with Tattva Sandarbha, um, we're, we're using as a reference, a point of reference uh, for our study in order to make these, to speak on these classes and look at the subject matter. Uh, we're looking at two different tattvas and dharmas. Uh, one is uh, that of Satchinarayan Das, which is a complete translation and commentary. And we're looking at one tattvas and presented by Swami Tripurari. And his is not a complete translation in detail with commentary. His is referred to as a Bhava Nuvada. Bhava Nuvada. Which is what? The feeling, the essence of what's in something. Bhava Nuvada. So it's the essence of the essence of the There you go. Yes. Yes, another layer of essence. He's taken from the tattva and he's saying, let me give this presentation, but I want to give it, because he says in the introduction of his tattva sandarbha, this is a bhava And the reason it is, is as I started to present the tattva sandarbha, I saw that this needs to go beyond the Gaudiya community. The practicing, the, the sadhikas, those that have taken up Gaudiya Vaishnavism, there's some wealth of understanding here that the whole theistic philosophical community should look into. So let me make it a little, let me draw out the essence here and present it in, um, in the language of the day so that those deep thinkers can see what a real deep think, how a real deep thinker like Jiva Goswami thinks. So it's quite unique in that regard. 
throwing the putting the 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 prohibition of jiva a little bit at a rest in order to spread the mercy of uh, the glory of jiva so we 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 see this before uh, the humility of the vaishnava is such that uh, that's okay i'm just writing for devotees here and you know and the devotees saying no you're writing for humanity you're writing for everybody everybody can benefit from what you're saying so we've reached the end of terms and concepts and the end and we're ready to jump into the Mangalacharana, the actual text of Tattvasandarva, which begins with the verse we chanted earlier, highlighting the life of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. But I think this is an appropriate time to, to close this class, and we'll actually begin uh, with the Mangalacharana verses on uh, Nityananda's appearance day. Uh, I'll speak on this. There'll be many lectures on Sri Nityananda. Uh, but uh, I want to continue in this presentation, so if you allow me, unless something else comes up, uh, we'll actually start the text itself uh, at that time. Are there any questions, comments? How many parts Tattva Sandarbha has? Like, uh, is like Bhakti Sandarbha, right? Uh, the Tattva Sandarbha has 63 Anuchetas. So 63 sections. Uh, the first eight are the introductory Mangalacharna. And then it gets into the, to the real substance of the matter. Uh, the Satsandarbhas, we talked this, uh, they're referred to both as the Satsandarbhas and the Bhagavatsandarbhas. Uh, the Satsandarbhas are six in number. And maybe with the set, some look also at as seventh. Mm -hmm. So the sixth, uh, four of them deal with Sambanda, one of them deals with Abhideya, and one of them deals with Parojana. So the Tattva, the Bhagavat, the Paramatma, and the Krishna, the first four, those deal with Sambanda Gyan. Then you have the uh, Bhakti Sandarbha dealing with. Abhideya, and the Preeti Sandarbha de dealing with the Priyojat, goal of, of uh, the discipline. Then there's also the Krama Sandarbha, which is Jiva Goswami's personal commentary on the complete Srimad Bhagavatam. So some call that, that the, the seventh Sandarbha. We're being given a set of keys, and all the mysteries of the Bhagavatam how to see the Bhagavatam, how to understand the way it's been put together. What were those revelations of Vyasadeva and the revelations of Sukadeva? Because that's what Jiva Goswami is about, experiential, the revelation of our spirituality, not in an intellectualization of it, although he has the highest intellect, he wants to bring us in to the heart of the Bhagavatam so we can experience and have the revelations ourselves that so profoundly affected Vyasadeva and Sukadeva Goswami. That's the, that is, so these keys are there to open, unlock the understanding that will allow the revelation of the Bhagavatam to come to us. That's what we're 
we're dealing with here. It's quite profound. We want to walk away from these Sandarbhas experiencing the revelation of the Bhagavatam. That's our goal. So six Sat Sandarbha, six. Krama Sandarbha, his complete commentary, seven. Anything else? Thank you so much for your association. Hare Krishna. Yeah.